0: Yeah. This is my life. I'm done trying to convince people I'm real. Sleep never Welcome to the Road to the Trials podcast where we take an insider's look into the training and racing of some of America's best runners as they prepare for the Olympic Track Trials in Eugene in less than 2 weeks. It's game time, baby. We are here. It is upon us, and I can't wait. This show is presented by, this whole season It's presented by Koros, my favorite watch company. I love these guys. I swear, if you guys are looking for a new GPS watch for you or someone you love, check out Koros. I can't say enough great things about this company. So today's episode is with Olivia Baker. Olivia is coming off... Um, kind of a a little bit of a rocky road. I was actually able to see her run uh, up in Massachusetts for a race, and then she had a race a week after that. And we'll dive into all of it, but she is, she's amped. She's ready for the trials. And I love talking to her about just the mental swings that come with this journey and how she's able to put herself in the best possible place to get it going. So let's dive into it with Olivia Baker. All right, Olivia Baker is back in the house. Olivia, it's so nice to see you again. Thanks for hopping on. Yeah, thanks for having me, Matt. It's good to be back. I'm so excited to chat with you. You've had a busy, busy race season since last time we talked. Um, but here we are. It's June 9th, one week away from this baby kicking off. So, uh, in the past, in a lot of these episodes, we've been like, okay, what has happened in the last three weeks? Let's talk it out. What does it mean? What does it not mean? and we are certainly going to do some of that today, but and we're not just looking back, right? We're one week away from the trials. A lot of this is going to be much more forward-thinking as well. I actually had a chance to see you in person in a brutally not fun day for any racer up in Attleboro, Massachusetts, which is about 30 minutes from my house, uh, so it was a pleasure to to see you and a bunch of other you know elite runners there. It was funny being like, why are these people in Attleboro, Mass, instead of Portland? <laughs> I'm sure they would have much rather been in Portland instead of the 42 degree weather with extreme wind on like on an awful May night. Um, but it was so nice to see you in person. It was it was it was a pleasure.
1: Yeah, you too. It was great to finally meet you in person. You know, uh, we've been recording this podcast for quite some time, several months now, and uh, that was the first time I met you in person.
0: So. You were there. Dana was there. It was a stacked field, men's and women's, uh, all the way through. It was basically the 800 up to the 5k. I don't think there was a 10k.
1: Yeah. I think it was just up to 5k.
0: Yeah. Um, but yeah, some, some really unbelievable performances. And then you would quickly turn around. You had a race the next weekend as well. So how were you feeling strength wise, fitness-wise, everything else in terms of just your ability to to hit the track and and do what you want to do?
1: Believe it or not, I am actually feeling really optimistic. I know that my last two races, that race we talked about, or you were at in Massachusetts was horrendous. And then I bounced back a little bit in a race in Prairie View uh, about a week later, as you mentioned. And it still wasn't as good as I had hoped. But I have a lot of reasons for optimism. You know, I know that I'm fit. I haven't put it together quite right in a race yet, but I know that it's
0: there. And
1: I'm actually feeling pretty optimistic going into trials.
0: That's exciting to hear. After the race in Massachusetts, again, this was right after the race that that didn't go well. Actually, we we talked about this after. I thought you'd gotten hurt at the 600-meter mark. Um, I'm so glad that you didn't get hurt, but it wasn't the race that you wanted to do. Uh, That's for sure. And then afterwards... It, you you seemed like an athlete who was kind of searching, right? Like it, it wasn't there, and you and you weren't sure where it was. Like it was it was just here in terms of like fitness and all this. Like you had just raced really well against really good competition, right? Uh, I think that was maybe the last time we spoke. I think you came in uh, fourth or fifth in a completely stacked field, all women who are going to be competing, you know, to be in the final in Portland. i mean in Portland in Eugene, and uh, you came off that and then had this race that didn't go your way. And after the race, you, you, I was, it was interesting to see someone who's at your level as an athlete, you know, an elite athlete who had been a week earlier at the top of their game, kind of like almost having like a crisis of con- crisis of confidence in a way right, after the finish. After that happened, what was? And what did you do to kind of get yourself back on track, not physically, because obviously the fitness didn't go anywhere, but just mentally and emotionally to get ready for prayer review and then just to, to be where you are now in terms of being your optimistic self?
1: It took a lot of soul searching. Uh, for those of you who don't know exactly what happened at Massachusetts, I literally, I dead-legged the race. Um, came through 458, came through 500, still kind of on that pace, and then somewhere between five and 600. I just had this sensation of my legs shutting off like they I was trying to lift them and like my mind was telling my legs to move and they just weren't responding. And by the time we got to the end of the race, I was literally shuffling across the finish line and looking down at my legs and wondering just what had happened. It was it was really bad. <laughs> uh, probably one of the worst races I've run ever, if not in quite a while. Um, and so of course you don't want something like that to happen less than a month out from the trials, but I think that it, it just required a lot of soul searching, a lot of talking to reaching out to my circle, my parents, my close friends, my current coach, former coaches who've encouraged me along this path, uh, and just kind of getting mentally back on top of it, you know, I have my coach telling me that I'm fit. Yeah, I know that I'm, and I know that I'm fit. It was just a matter of, you know, sometimes these things happen and you have to be able to let it roll off the shoulders and and remember that, you know, remain confident in the training that you've had. So those were a lot of the conversations I was having with my coach, with my parents, with my friends. And it was just very fulfilling and it and it helped me more than anything get my mind back on track. You know, I've I've still got some work to do mentally for sure, but I feel like I'm on the right track and like I said I have a good deal of optimism heading into the trials.
0: So was it the totality of the um of the conversations or was there one or two specific conversations that you had with folks that really hit home and and um you know, kind of brought this along for you?
1: I think that it was mostly the totality, but there was, there is one conversation that stuck out to me. It was with my um, old high school coach, coach Lisa Morgan, who now coaches at TCU. Uh, I had just mentioned to her that I had had a couple of, of bad races and was trying to get my confidence back. And she just kind of reassured me and reminded me of, you know, who, who I am as a runner, that like, I, I'm still a really great runner. and still, you know, the fitness didn't just evaporate. If my coach is telling me I'm fit, then I should believe him. And I do believe him. And just to keep, keep pushing and, and keep getting after it. And her words were, were so encouraging. And I remember I told her afterwards that she gives the best pep talks And she said, she just said to me, no, you know, it was, it was God. And I said, well, God gives the best pep talks through you. That was uh, a really encouraging moment for me.
0: Oh, I can imagine. So was this before Prairie View or was this kind of over the whole last two weeks?
1: This was after Prairie View. So this was, today is Wednesday. It was Monday.
0: Oh, okay. Gotcha. All right. So when you... When you stepped to the line in Prairie View, were you able to completely eliminate what happened in Massachusetts from your mind? Were you clear headed going into that?
1: No, I tried my best, but I don't think I was able to fully eliminate it. I mean, when something like that happens to you and your legs are just dead, kind of like that, uh, there's always that fear that it could happen again, And that was definitely on my mind going into prairie view i did my best to block it out but i definitely felt a good deal of anxiety from it and now that i've had a race where that didn't happen i think that i'll be better off next time knowing hey this isn't a it was a one-time thing it happened it's gone it's not going to happen it's not going to happen to me again at trials or anything like that uh but yeah i definitely took that another race to get past it fully
0: Right, and in prayer review, you are you know at through four hundred, you know you're right there. Um, talk to me about the last two hundred and fifty meters, right? The, the 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 period in time where in your previous race things didn't you know things started to to not go well. What was happening with you mentally and physically once you hit that mark?
1: Yeah, mentally, um, I saw the I saw my competitors kind of start to pull away from me, and I started to worry a little bit. Oh man, is it? is it about to happen again? Am I, am I going to be able to go with them? But physically that's not what happened physically. Uh, in that moment, I just kind of felt like, you know, I'm still, I'm still finishing strong there. They were getting away from me and that's, that's not good, but I still felt like I was finishing, finishing well. Uh, I didn't completely bomb, which was, which was good, but, Physically, yeah. I mean, there there are still some things I'm going to need to sort out with my race because my clothes wasn't as strong as I wanted it to be. I felt a little stuck. The gear shift felt a little stuck when I went to pour it on. I had difficulty picking it up. And so that's something that strategically we'll have to address in practice. Maybe look at that first 100, first 100 or 200 where I got out uh, pretty quickly and see strategically if we can maybe reel that in, give me a little more on the back end. But yeah, I mean, mentally, I was a little apprehensive, but physically, I was good. And I I feel, like I said, optimistic coming off of this race that I'll be able to do better at Trials.
0: Hey, folks, the Road of the Trials podcast is presented by Coros Wearables, makers of performance GPS watches that help athletes train to their best. Athletes like world record marathoner Elliot Kipchoge and multi-time U.S. champion Emma Coburn trust Coros watches to track their training from long runs to track workouts with their innovative track mode, which I, frankly... I'm just going to input this. I love their track. Code. This is one of the reasons I love these watches. You can measure your next track workout to near perfection. Whether you've got 400 meter repeats in lane one or a four mile tempo in lane five, you can trust Coros watches to provide the stats that you crave. So show your support for the brands that support this podcast and pick up the Pace 2, the latest GPS watch on the market. Enter code trials at checkout on coros.com. That's C-O-R-O-S.com for free. free. Free accessory with your purchase. You can just pick whichever one you like after you enter the code. So when you use the Coros product, you know you're getting a premium watch designed, tested, and perfected by the athlete and for the athlete. Give Coros a follow on Instagram or on Facebook at Coros Global. Coros, explore perfection. All right, so let's talk about trials. What, you know, there are... (laughs) a load of women who are qualified uh, in the 800. I know that there's a qualification process and then there's a declaring process for people who don't know what that means. Basically you qualify. And then by declaring, you say, okay, I will be running in X event for the trials, right? Because there are certain people who may have qualified in an event, but aren't going to run in that event. So that's why you have this two-step process. Did I get that right?
1: Yes, that's correct.
0: Okay. All right. I just want to make sure. Um, So, with that said, we're talking like fifty women who are running the eight hundred who are going to ultimately um, declare for the Android. So roughly, you know, th- that amount. So, with that in mind, what's the schedule look like in terms of say, like your first your first round heat?
1: I'm actually not sure. I think I know that the three heats are. It's going to be three races over four days. So it's supposed to be the twenty fifth, twenty sixth, no, twenty fourth, twenty fifth, twenty seventh uh, are the first round semis and then finals and it'll be interesting to see I know traditionally in the first round they cut from whatever the field size is down to 16 and then 16 to 8 for the final but I don't know I mean this is this field size is unprecedented so I don't know if having a larger field means that more people will make it to the semifinal and they'll do maybe a 24 person semifinal instead of 16. Or if they're still going to cut from 50 all the way down to 16, I, I don't know what that looks like. I, I would assume that it'll be a 16 person semifinal unless I'm told otherwise, but yeah, it'll, it'll, it will it'll just means that you're, people are going to have to run faster in the heats to make it to the semis with that size of a field.
0: Yeah, I can't imagine people really holding back with that. With with that, with so many people in it, and so many people condensed. Right, we're talking, you know, forty people within two seconds of each other, right? And it's it's not as if it's like two seconds, but everyone's at the same event, so all the, all of the the times are apples to apples. People are spread out; they're doing their own thing. Some of them are college athletes, some of them are like yourself and, you know, so on and so forth. So it will be so interesting to see. All right. So it's going to be near the end of the meet. So you still have, you know, a few weeks here before you get going. Do you know logistically, you know, when you're going to be getting into town and where you're going to be staying and all of that?
1: I do. Yes. So I I ran a little test run in April when I went out for the Oregon Relays meet that was held there at the end of April. And I'm going to head out two days before. So I'll be there on the 22nd and then I'll race on the 24th. And I mean, it worked out pretty well for me at that first Oregon meet. So I, I don't see a reason to, to change that logistically speaking.
0: Now in the 800, what is the buildup slash tapering process look like? Okay. So and I'm going to be asking this question for everybody, but this is going to be one of those like standard questions that I ask as people prepare and just for for someone like you in your races obviously the 800 is it's not the 10k in terms of the duration of time you're running but You're also going to be running, hopefully, you know, three, three days, I'm sorry, three events in four days. So there is that quick turnover. You want to make sure that you're ready and prepared. And part of that is being fully trained to handle the load um, in terms of like, you know, because it's not like you're just racing. You're spending an hour preparing for the race and warming up and then you're doing the cool down. So it's not just like, hey, she ran 100 meters. Why can't she run tomorrow? Right. There's, There's this full hour and a half hour and 40 minute process. So, what does the next two weeks look like in terms of making sure that you're not only as fit as you can be, but you're also ready to race?
1: So, in terms of fitness, there's not that much I can gain over the next two weeks. Uh, I am right now, I am pretty much as fit as I'm going to be going into the trials. And so, for me, for these next two weeks, it's just about uh, one confidence. Um, I think we discussed uh, a little earlier in the pod that I didn't have a great last couple of races and that I'm still kind of, I've I've come a long way, but I'm still rebuilding my confidence. And so practice will be what coach is looking for in practice is just what can we do to build your confidence, make you 100% sure that you can go into these next, go into these trials, feeling at your best and be ready to perform at your best. So it's confidence and then I'm also just looking at how to best use my fitness. So these next couple of weeks will be about determining what is your, like what, where exactly is your fitness right now? And we have a pretty good idea of that from, from racing and from some of the things I've done in practice leading up to this point. And then what is our race model to best distribute this fitness throughout the rounds? So as you know, rounds are all about strategy. It's not always about who's the fastest coming in. It's how do you strategize to make it through the rounds and to run them. And that'll be, we'll be working on that in practice as well. Going back to back days to simulate first and second rounds. And yeah, just more higher intensity, closer to race pace, sharpening type things. And of course, more greater rest in between those those activities as well. So I'll have a, you know, workouts on back-to-back days, and then we'll take some extra rest before we do anything like that again, if we, if we choose to. And I think probably eight to 10 days outside of the trial will be the last time that I have a, a really, truly hard workout. And then at that point, it's just prioritizing rest, hydration, sleep, and being as mentally prepared as I know I am physically for this event.
0: And when you're talking strategy, how much of that is you figuring out exactly what works best for you in what, in some of these races versus like, all right, we need to see who was in the heats and then figure out how we're going to play it.
1: Uh, it's a little bit of both for sure. Uh, I think that in practice, of course, we don't know what the heats are going to look like yet
0: but we know they're going to be fast.
1: (laughs) Yes. We know they're going to be fast. And yeah, I'm not one who will ever take my competition for granted. And I'm also not, I, I mean, of course with earlier rounds, you want to, the ideal would be to get through as slow as you can to conserve energy for the next round. But I'll just be looking to run my best in each round and, you know, control the things that I can control and, when those heaps come out, you know, I'll, I'll look at them, but not very much will change. It'll still be about running my best race within whatever heat I'm, I end up in, whatever draw I get.
0: Right. I mean, these heats aren't going to really look any different than the races you've been racing in terms of like the quality that's going to be in them.
1: Not at all. No, I, I don't expect them to.
0: All right. So obviously, this is a really fun meet, right? So you have, you know, this is basically going to be going on for two weeks. This is really exciting. Anyone who's going to be racing there is obviously really invested in the sport of track and field. Are there any particular individuals or events besides your own that you are really excited to see, whether that's in person or just, you know, uh, on TV?
1: Yes, absolutely. Uh, I'm really excited to see. The men's 200. I think that one's going to be really competitive and it, it'll be interesting to see how the collegians this year clash with the professional runners in the men's 200. Um, I'm looking forward to the women's 10k. Uh, I, we've, I've seen some of the controversy around that and how there are outside of the women's 800, it is the second deepest field in the trials. So. I'm interested to see how that's going to play out.
0: I just talked to Kira D'Amato earlier today, who actually had to pull out of the trials and it won't be there, um, but we were talking about that because she kept being brought up in this conversation of like, all right, if we're going to two heats, how are we gonna segment this? Because how much context are we putting into times? Like, Because Kira had run her time in Texas in like 85 degree weather. Other people were more fortunate from a weather perspective. What does that mean? Um, and then just you know, all those sorts of things. And it was funny because she was like diehard, like, no, 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 put me in heat too. Like she's has that like she seems to be at her best when she's at like the damn the man type type attitude towards it, right? Like even if like she chose heat too, she would like then run on revenge, even if like she chose it. Um so it's kind of a funny a funny thing. But um yeah, because unlike the unlike the eight hundred, I mean obviously it's still like gosh, it's so many women in the, the eight hundred, but you know this it's only one race. So it's like, what do you, I mean, there's not like prelims, right? There's no heats and advi- advanced to the finals. It's like, Oh my gosh. Like, I don't even know how they're going to do this. I was saying they should just run it at exactly the same time. So that like, no one has the advantage of knowing what the, what the previous times were.
1: Right. But how would you do that? You, would you put 50 people on the track?
0: No, I'm saying like, get two tracks and just oh. literally start the gun at like eight o'clock PM. They're like a mile away. Ready, go, split screen. They're running around the track. (laughs) See, like, okay, the two, the three fastest times we're taking it just so that there are no, like, all right, like, all right, so Sarah Hall ran 2954. I need to beat that in the second heat or whatever. I don't know. So, obviously, it's a stupid idea because some tracks are faster (laughs) than others. But I was trying to think of ways where you can at least make it so, like, you can take away some of the advantages of going second, right? Because you'd want to go second. Yeah, absolutely.
1: And then there's the whole thing. The 10K is such a long event. I mean, I've experienced it even just within an 800 before. I can't imagine in a 10K the weather. Like a lot can change in half an hour, especially in Oregon where things are so unpredictable. Like, what if, what if one event gets, it's clear and then the next event it's windy or it starts to rain or, or something like that happens?
0: It's wild. It's wild. I mean, I think it's great. I mean, kudos to everyone who qualified, right? I mean, like nothing but respect. And I am happy for everyone who achieves their goals. It's wild, though. It's going to be a crazy, crazy situation. I remember last year getting ready for the uh, marathon trials. they Are like, there's just so many people running. Like, man, true. But they're starting behind the elites. Like, this is going to be completely different. Like, everyone's starting at the same time. Anyway, it's going to be wild. It's going to be so much fun. Um, will you watch any... See, your your events are at the end of the meet in terms of the, the days, not like the time of day, but the days itself. You're getting in there two days in advance. Can you foresee watching some of this in person? Or do you think you're going to be holed up in your hotel room, staying in the shade, and just completely in rest mode?
1: I will probably be holed up in my hotel room, but not by choice. Uh, we've been told in the Olympic trials protocols that athletes, there won't be an athlete section in the stands. They don't want us to be in contact with the, you know, unnecessary contact with each other because of the COVID risk. So, I mean, I thought about maybe trying to buy a ticket. I don't know what the rules are around that because, the tickets that I would be allocated are technically for family and friends. Uh, And like, can I put myself down as my own family and friend? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but to answer your question, I would, if I can, I would love to watch some of the races in person. I, I enjoy watching other people run. It kind of calms my nerves to see other people do it and then kind of imagine myself going to do that same thing. But I don't know if I will be allowed to because of the COVID precautions.
0: Gotcha. All right. Before we get going, um, I'm not going to ask you like for prediction about like who's going to be top three or anything like that. I would, I am curious. So what do you think um, for the final, what do you think that the top three women will need in order to make the team?
1: For the final, I think that the top three women, I think the third place time that makes the team is in the range of 157 high to
0: 158 low.
1: Gotcha. It's going to have to be fast.
0: It's going to have to be fast. And there's a lot of fast women who will be gunning for it, including yourself. Olivia, thank you so much for taking us along on this journey. Obviously we'll be doing a recap after the trials as well. Good luck. I can't wait to see it.
1: Yeah. Thanks so much, Matt. Thanks for having me on. And I can't wait to see it too. I'm excited. I'm optimistic and I am ready to go. So cheers to you. Whatever happens, I'm I'm ready for it and I'm excited about it.
0: Thank you, Olivia. What a candid and frank conversation. Uh, Those are the best kind. Always. Those are just the best kind. And I so appreciate you doing this and being open to talking about every part of the journey. That's for sure. How can you not root for someone like Olivia Baker? Honestly, it's amazing. So, uh, also big shout out to our sponsor Coros. Of course, if you're looking for a watch, check them out. That's all I can say. I've had mine for two years and I absolutely love it. It's just as good as the day I purchased it. No question about it. And I will say I purchased it. This was not something I was gifted. Um, uh, this wasn't a sponsorship deal back then. I just bought the watch cause I wanted it. And I'm so glad that I did. So we have plenty more of these coming up and so much um, just track trials content coming out over the next three weeks during the trials as well, not just leading into it. And then also recaps afterward, just a lot going on over the next month. And I cannot wait. So thank you so much for listening and happy running. This has been a production of the Rambling Runner Podcast Network. Thank you to my producer, David Margetti, from InPost Media. Also, thank you to MetaP for the music and his song, Evolution.